0: God's gifts of forgiveness and reconciliation could be called a limited time offer. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. For 2,000 years, we've been waiting, and that's given skeptics ample opportunity to sneer about God's delay. But on this broadcast, we'll open the book of Revelation to see what happens when time runs out, when the hour come, when there will be no more delay. This sermon continues our series in Revelation called With John on the Isle of Patmos. Jim will open with prayer.
1: Thank you, Father, for your word. It's written and given to us as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It's given to instruct us in the way we should go by telling us where we're going and how to get there. We thank you tonight for this wonderful book, and I pray that as we open it, that we would open our hearts to its message. Would you take this uh, most interesting passage of Scripture tonight and uh, just illuminate it into our minds and hearts, shine it deep into the crevices of our, of our doubts, our fears. Help us to see that we've got nothing to fear, not even fear itself. We have nothing to fear. That in Jesus Christ, we have already died, And we are risen with him. And it's just a matter of a moment when we transfer a dress from here to there. And that could happen before we're done tonight. So, Lord Jesus, excite us about the things that excite you. Thrill us with the things that you're anticipating. Show us how we will participate in those things now and throughout all eternity. May your grace and your blessing rest upon us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Yesterday we were celebrating the Lord's Supper, and uh, part of what Jesus did in that night with his disciples, he washed their feet, and then told them that you ought to wash one another's feet. And then he said something very, very interesting. Whosoever receives the one that I send, receiveth me. And the one who receiveth me receives the one who sent me. You know what that's saying? Go study it. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. And what you will realize is that we are on a holy, a holy, holy, holy task. You were sent here tonight by God to be a blessing to that person you just talked to. You need to understand that. You need to see that. And we need to come to these times of study and worship together with that foremost in our heart. Lord, make me a blessing to others. Help me to lift somebody else's burden. Help me to feel comfortable praying with them right there at the moment. Let's pray about that and talk to the Lord about that. There's some lonely people sitting next to you. There's some discouraged people sitting close to you. There's some people here who are hoping, 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 that since this is the body of the living Christ, that by coming tonight, they would find somebody that would care. And uh, my wife would tell you that I would love to, I'd I'd love to shake hands with every one of you, because that's so important, so important. Pews were not meant to be barriers. They were meant to be resting places where you could concentrate your attention upon the word of God. And sermons were not supposed to be boring. I take full responsibility there, too. (laughs) They're supposed to be, hopefully, designed to help by lifting the contents of the Word of God. But you know where the Word becomes flesh? It's when you reach out and press flesh. When you, well, they called it bump. I I forget what, I, I forget all the terminology. I'm not that sharp anymore. But folks, please learn to value the God calling upon your life, to do in Jesus' name what Jesus says he's already doing for them, and to awaken within that friend, that neighbor, that new person, awaken within them a deeper sense of uh, acceptance, hope, peace, comfort, being friends, being friends. Last time we met, uh, that was a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. We walked through the book of the Revelation, the 21 judgments. We don't know what the seven thunders uttered, so we can't talk about that. But we do know what the other 21 judgments are, the, the seven seals, and then the seven trumpets, and then the seven bowls. I went home last week absolutely exhausted, just, just exhausted just reading through that seven-year period of Earth history. It's going to be horrible, horrible, horrible. Say it with me, Horrible. horrible. And there's nothing we can do to dress it down and make it pretty. It's not pretty. And Jesus himself said that those days weren't limited, weren't constricted, limited, a set number, no more than that, cut off. If that weren't so, no flesh would be spared. That's how bad it's going to be on the earth in that coming seven-year period. So last week, I wanted to shock you (laughs) with the fact that God is the creator. We exist to do his pleasure. And he is absolutely justified and righteous in doing what he's going to do. But that's not pretty. Tonight, I don't want to shock you again, (laughs) okay? Okay. The reason being, when we come to the chapters we're going to study tonight, there is no, how shall I say, there's no chronology. In college, we had a student billboard. It was kind of in the coffee area. Post office was here, you got your mail, and coffee was over here. That's where you got your conscience and your consciousness. And in between, there was this billboard. And any student could post anything on that billboard that they wanted the students to know. And it was a menagerie. It wasn't organized. There wasn't any special columns and all that. It was just there. And you could stand there, and you could read those comments, and you could get a feel for what was really going on in the lives of the other students on campus. Sometimes it hurt. Other times you could already contain your joy that things were going so well with them. That's what happens here. That's what happens here. Open your Bibles, please, to the 10th chapter of the book of the Revelation. Now we have two more messages, two more messages after tonight, and then we'll give you rest from the book of the Revelation. I was stunned this last week to read a couple of articles about a group of Christians who believe much of what we believe, and they are targeting the last week of September. Because of the Jewish calendar, because of the red blood moon, remember some of that? Because of those things, they are expecting that the rapture will take place, and they've even even drawn it down to a date. And they are actively involved in giving, selling, (laughs) ridding themselves of all kinds of stuff that they don't think is necessary because in their mind, Jesus has to come the last week of September. Now, my response that is, he may not wait till September. So if you think that by setting that date, you have some sense of security, no. No, there, there's no text of scripture that directly supports that notion. And all the evidence that is used to support that idea is um, shaking. Now, that doesn't mean that you put the rapture way back there on the back burner someplace. But it does mean that you and I recognize that we are living in the last days. Folks, we are living in the last days. And the book of the Revelation is designed specifically to give us great detail about the specific things that will take place during that last seven years of earth history before Jesus comes back, not in the rapture, but comes back in the revelation and establishes his kingdom. Would you let me apologize? <laughs> Tuesday morning about 3 AM, 3, oh, it was 3.06 AM, I woke up absolutely fully awake, absolutely wide awake, looking at the ceiling. And my mind was filled with one thought. And here's what it was. Jim, Go back and explain to the people that we are not pro-Israeli, we are pro-Messiah. What I mean by that is, the Bible clearly says that God will keep his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he'll keep them because he's a covenant-keeping God. He also says he's going to do that not because the Jews are perfect not even because they're special. You read, you read Isaiah, let's see, I think it's chapter 35, maybe somewhere along in there, and God says through, Isaiah, uh, through Ezekiel, I'm sorry, says through Ezekiel, you guys make my name a stench. Every place I drove you out among the Gentiles, you created a stench, a bad reputation for me. That's God talking to the Jewish people. Now, don't take my word for it. Go back and find it yourself and read it. It's not just there, but that's the prominent place where God says, I'm doing this because of my glory, because of my integrity. Now, what that means is we emphasize the fact that the Jewish people do have a key role in God's future plan, clearly revealed in the scripture. That has not been delegated to the church. Never has been, never will be. It's the program God has for the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what he's going to do. All of those Jewish people that go back to the land of Israel, hear me, hear me, hear me. Most of them will die in unbelief. Read the last two chapters of the book of Zechariah, and it says there that two-thirds, two-thirds, that's two out of every three Jewish people living in the land at the end of the tribulation period will perish. It's not enough to be Jewish. You must be born again. It's not enough to believe that God has a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You must be born again. And the Bible is extremely clear that the only people who come out of this future period are any period of Earth. The only people who come out of these periods of judgment and discipline are people who trust Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, whether they're Jews or Gentiles. Hear me clearly. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you are commanded to do the same. I've never understood a Christian who says he loves Jesus, but he hates the Jews. Jesus is a Jew, come on, get with it, get with it, wake up. Mary was a Jewess, come on. Wherever you got that hatred didn't come from scripture and it wasn't born in your heart by the Spirit of God. But just because I am born a Jew, and just because I keep all the rabbinical uh, pluses and minuses and kosher and all those things does not give me eternal life. No. Jewish people are saved and forgiven of their sins the same way Gentile people are. Paul said it clearly. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to whoever will believe, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. Why? Because therein, in the gospel, God's righteousness is made available on the basis of faith. Not works, not circumcision, not law keeping, not synagogue practices, not Sunday school faithful attendance. Those may be helpful. They may be deadly. Lord, I told them, I hope you're listening. I hope you're listening. Sometimes those of us who hold that position from Scripture are considered to be Um, not nice people. I'll put it that way. I want you to know that I believe the Bible clearly teaches that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And that's the same for the Jew or the Gentile. The high priest of Israel must be born again. You hear me? The elder of the synagogue must be born again. The gentleman who lives in the Oval Office must be born again. That's the only way you will ever have peace with God, forgiveness of sins, and the gift of eternal life. You got it? Will you remember that, please? I am pro-Israeli because I believe that God will keep his promises to that group of people, not because they're perfect. And in keeping his promises to that group of people, he will put them through a series of experiences which will force them, force them to look elsewhere than in their Judaism as a means of eternal life. Let's sing just as I am of that one plead, and I'll invite you to come forward tonight if you are not Well, you're really pushed over the edge tonight already. I didn't mean to do that. But what I did mean to do was to keep a promise with God. God, I don't want people leaving this church, leaving this auditorium, thinking that Jim believes if you're Jew you got it made. No, no, no. No, no. No. If you're Grace Brethren, you got it made. Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, say it again, Shall shall be saved. And there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Long introduction, but thank you. Revelation chapter 10. Look at the astonishing statement that this angel makes. He descends from heaven. He's got a little scroll in his hand. He puts one foot on the sea, one foot on the land. And listen to what he says. Verse 5, Revelation 10, verse 5. Then the angel that I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. He swore an oath by the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, the sea and what is in it. Here's the statement. Notice it. There will no longer be an interval of time. Older translations use the word delay. The substance of that sentence says that this angel is about to announce when the time of God's protracted grace and mercy. God is not wanting that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But there's a time limit on that. And God is restraining things, holding things in check. That restraining, that holding things in check, is what the angel's talking about. There will no longer be an interval of time, a delay. But in the days of the sound of the seventh angel, when he will blow his trumpet. Note that it's his trumpet. It's not the trumpet of God. It's an angel trumpet. That may have meaning for some of you, for others, no significance at all. But this angel is the seventh in a sequence, and he is going to blow his trumpet. And when he... In the days of the sound of the seventh trumpet, when he shall blow, seventh angel, when he shall blow his trumpet, then underline that, circle that, put a blinking light behind that, put a piece of chewing gum there, do anything you need to do to make sure you go back there and think that through. Then, then, when the seventh angel begins to blow his trumpet, then God's hidden plan will be completed. Now, hidden there does not mean that it's not disclosed. Look at the rest of the statement. As he, God, announced to his servants the prophets. Through the prophets, we have massive detail. Massive, massive, massive detail. Massive detail about what God's going to do during this period of time that is called the period of the 70th week of Daniel. When the angel begins to sound, then God is going to remove the restraints, and during the days that He sounds the se- that's, that the, the seventh angel sounds his trumpet. When that happens, God's hidden plan will be completed. It'll be completed to precise performance to what He has already announced to His servants, the prophets. In other words, this is not secret book of the Revelation is not intended to be secret. It's not something that's hidden. It's something that God strained at to make simple. God strained at to find a way to communicate. God, God bore down on this. He, he, he exhausted words and images. He went back through all of his previous uh, 65 books and took bits and pieces from there, things that he taught people through the Old Testament and the New Testament, He took elements of those various books, and he brought them together in the book of the Revelation. And when the seventh angel begins to sound his trumpet, God is going to remove restraint. In the days of the seventh angel, when he sounds his trumpet, then God is going to complete his hidden plan. Hidden there has more the idea of hide and seek. Remember that game we used to play? There was was no question that my brother was hiding out there someplace. I wasn't just wasting my time. I was out looking for him to see if I could spook him from his hiding place and beat him back to the post. I know you are too sophisticated for those stupid West Virginia games. But that's the idea of hidden. It's not that it's secret. It's not that it's mysterious. It's not that it's never been been revealed. But it's been revealed in a holding pattern. And when the seventh angel sounds the trumpet, his trumpet, the seventh trumpet, then God's going to take away the restraint and boom, in that period of 42 months, God is going to complete all of His wrath. Got that?
0: We get a sense of terror when we read about wave after wave of God's judgment, and also a sense of relief. Finally, the creation will be rid of all wickedness and all the suffering it causes. That day is a real day marked on God's calendar, and we're closer to it today than we were yesterday. Jim's message is called, The Hour Is Come. If you'd like a CD of the sermon, we'll send it to you for a gift of $7 or more. We've been thinking less about what we read in Revelation and more about how to read and understand the book. All nine CDs in the series With John on the Isle of Patmos will arrive on your doorstep for an offering of $34 or more. Please keep praying for Right Start and consider sending a financial gift. We believe the Holy Spirit will speak to some who will hear and help. For over half a century now, that's how God has been meeting our needs through listeners who are sensitive and obedient to His voice. Thanks for your partnership with us. Please mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085 USA, or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. And visit our website. That's a convenient place to make a donation and to tap into more ministry content. It's rightstartradio.org. You can play radio shows from the site or listen to complete sermons by Pastor Jim. There are hundreds of hours of preaching available. We'll link you to the podcast published on the iTunes platform, and you can even email us from our site, rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Tomorrow, Jim will give us some rapid-fire bullet points of end-time events. We'd love to have you with us again on Thursday for the next Right Start.